Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, It Gets Better Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Adkinson, and I wanted to start off by saying thank you for all of the love on the last episode, the Taylor Swift Healed My Inner Child episode. It's funny, I almost didn't record that. I was, I had woken up that morning, so actually that episode I was supposed to have a guest on, and we were supposed to record the day before the episode was supposed to go live on Monday. The episodes usually go live on Tuesday, but um, Monday I got a um, a DM from her. The girl I was supposed to recording, record from letting me know that she was very sick and she had gone to like the doctor's office, so she wasn't able to record, which was fine. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And I had already been so exhausted from the concert because if you didn't know, like I mentioned, we drove back. I don't know if I actually mentioned this in the last episode. Um, we drove all the way home from the concert and we did not go to the New York City show or the New Jersey show. We went to um, Foxborough, Massachusetts, which is typically like a two and a half hour drive. But with concert traffic, it was about four hours. So we got home at like five in the morning, um, Monday morning. Um, because all of the hotels around there, maybe I did mention this in the past last episode, but all of the hotels were either booked or extremely overpriced. And we were like, you know what, <laughs> let's just, let's just drive home. Um, and that was kind of the plan the whole time. Cause we did think it was going to be like a two and a half hour drive. But once we saw the traffic, we were like, oh shoot. But we ended up just making the full drive. We were fine, but I was so exhausted Monday. I was like, oh my gosh, like I was planning on still doing the episode, but I was like, I don't have the the bandwidth to find another guest because usually I do like um one or two guest episodes a month and I was like okay what am I gonna do so I was like you know what I'm just gonna talk about my actual experience of the Taylor Swift concert and I literally just hit record and spoke from the heart I didn't plan anything and it's funny that I have never gotten more dms about an episode than that one so that was really cool it really motivated me to kind of just keep going like that to kind of keep it going and with the flow like in real time like things I'm experiencing and going through and not always like five tips for this you know so thank you guys so much I just wanted to say a big thank you it really meant a lot to see um all the messages and stuff that I got about the podcast but okay when you're listening to this episode it is now sorry that is playing I'm opening my phone because I'm going to be going through some questions you guys sent me on Instagram because when you're watching this or when you're listening to this if you're listening to it when it first goes live this is the last week of May and May is actually mental health awareness month and mental health mental illness is very uh I, I mean, it, I care a lot about those kind of topics. It's something that I think is very important to discuss. And I thought, what better time to answer your questions revolving mental health and mental illness. So I posted a question, that's where that sound came, over on my Instagram stories yesterday. And I asked you guys for your mental health questions, mental illness questions. And I got quite a few, so I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able, able to answer all of them, but what I can do is I will answer as many as I can within like a good amount of time because I want to make sure I really answer each question and don't try and rush through them. And then if I need to do a part two in a few weeks, I can absolutely do that as well. Now, if you're looking for more of my mental health journey, my mental health story, I do have episodes already about, you know, my diagnosis and being on mental health medication, things like that. So feel free to scroll back if you're looking for more of that. But today's going to be more of your questions. And I'm just going to start at the top and go down as many as I can get to. So the first one is how does online therapy work and how are you going with it all? Love you. Love you too. And how does online therapy work? So 
I actually am not doing specifically online therapy anymore, but I have. Um, I know BetterHelp is extremely popular and like mainstream like now, but I was... I wasn't, I think because I've done a few brand deals with BetterHelp, I think some people thought that that means I've only just been sponsored by BetterHelp. That is not the case. I was an actual user of BetterHelp for years and for like years, uh, like two years before I ever worked with BetterHelp. I actually um, didn't work with BetterHelp until I was done being a customer of BetterHelp, if that makes sense. Um, So I was a, a BetterHelp customer and I loved it. And I know there's a lot of back and forth about whether it's like a scam or not. And in my opinion, it was great. I I think what people forget is that therapists are like any any other field. Think about teachers. There are going to be teachers you loved. There are going to be teachers you hated. There are going to be um, <laughs> doctors you love, doctors you don't get along with. Same with therapists. Um, but the reason I liked BetterHelp is one, it is way more affordable than other therapy. I see people say like, oh, it's funny because when people complain about it, it's always like t- the complete opposite. They're either being like, oh my gosh, it's not affordable enough or they're complaining that the therapists aren't making enough money. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't have both. Um, but as someone who has gone through regular therapy that is like not through BetterHelp, I will say BetterHelp is way more affordable than in-person therapy so that's just something to note and they do have to pay the therapist so it has to be some kind of cost but one thing I also want to say is if you are someone who's like no but I really can't afford that there are other more affordable therapy therapy options I think it's called open path look up open path if it's in your area and that is like a non-profit that provides um like Uh, affordable therapy options based on what you can afford which I think is incredible and then also look up sliding scales in your area if you're someone who does maybe have insurance or maybe you have like you could help like your insurance covers like out of network therapy mental health services something you can look into I think a lot of people sorry I'm stepping on my my walking treadmills underneath me (laughs) if you can like hear do you hear that um I was walking this morning and I was too lazy to put it away so I'm just like standing on it while I'm recording but not walking but um I don't think a lot of people, I didn't know this for a long time, that even if your insurance doesn't cover something in network, you can see if you have out of network benefits, meaning you could still sometimes go to therapy and they will still pay for some of it. That is something that I was able to do and I didn't know that I had access to that for a long time. But also look up sliding scale because that's like it means the therapist offers different payments based on what you can afford, which I think is also really awesome. But with BetterHelp, generally it is more affordable than in-person therapy unless you're doing things like sliding scale or open path of course but what I realized is that through BetterHelp uh, and again this is not sponsored they're not paying me in any shape or form they have paid me for a TikTok before um, where I gave my like real experience but that was it and that was like a year ago but and I'm sure I'm sure other online therapy programs that are similar to BetterHelp like membership style might be similar but I liked that with BetterHelp I could start with a therapist and say I didn't get a, I didn't like them. I could switch to another therapist for free. And I've seen a lot of people be like, "Oh, I hated BetterHelp because my therapist said this, that, or the other, and they were rude to me, or they said something inappropriate." That is going to happen 
on BetterHelp and in person. The truth is, is not every therapist is going to be someone that you are going to mesh with. But the benefit of BetterHelp is that you can transfer for free to another therapist and you can do it discreetly. You can just literally click. There's like a literally like a little link that you can click that says like switch therapists. Whereas in person, you have to tell this person like, I'm not coming back. I'm not interested. I actually had my last before my new, I'm with a psychiatrist right now and I'm going to be going, I'm doing like working through like EMDR and trauma therapy. But before that, I had visited one other um, uh, trauma therapist, actually, and I had a horrible experience with him. And this was not on BetterHelp. This was in person. And he would call me at all hours of the night to, like, reschedule with me. He rescheduled on me, like, four weeks in a row. And it was, like, four in the morning when he would reschedule. Like, I would get random texts from him. And then there was one time where he rescheduled on me at, like, 5 a.m. And I didn't. And then he texted me at 8 a.m. It was like, oh, I'm actually feeling better. Um, would you want to come in like a few hours later? And I didn't respond. And he was like, hello, question mark, question mark. Oh, I guess not. Have uh, good luck then. What? And then the next, and obviously when someone says good luck, then I'm not going to respond. He ended up texting me again the next week to ask why I canceled my appointment. I'm like, because you were so unprofessional, dude. And this guy had raving five-star reviews on, on ZocDoc. So this is your reminder that therapists can suck on better help therapists can suck in in person they can suck anywhere but therapists can also be incredible anywhere so you just have to realize like BetterHelp is a platform, a platform similar to LinkedIn. If you go on LinkedIn and you get a job, you might hate the job, but that wasn't LinkedIn's it wasn't LinkedIn that, you know, that it's not their fault. It's just they're a platform that LinkedIn is a platform to provide easier access to find jobs. BetterHelp is a platform to provide easier access to find virtual therapists, if that makes sense. So that's how I look at it is that when you have, if you try BetterHelp and you're like, oh, I had a horrible therapist, that's not meaning that all better help therapists are horrible. Like I've seen on people say on TikTok and stuff. It's just that therapist might not be the one for you. And the good thing is you can also review them when you switch therapists and stuff. And you can be honest because obviously if there are therapists that suck, you know, the platform should know things like that. One thing I do think that better help could do better on is having like more of like I don't know, like a better way to review therapists. Like you can review your therapist privately, but there's no reviews of the therapist. One thing I think would make their their platform so much better is kind of like on ZocDoc. If you could like, maybe when you send out, you have to fill out like a bunch of questions about what you're looking for, the type of therapist you want, what you're going through. And then they'll send you like, they'll just, they just connect you with a therapist. What I think would be better is if they sent you like, oh, here's three options that we recommend for you. And then you could see people's reviews and then click the one you think you're more likely to get along with. I think if they did something like that, it would do a lot better. Um, But also moving on with that, um, with online therapy, one thing I also really liked is that you could, especially for, for better help specifically, is that you could talk to them virtually like on Zoom but you could also talk to them on the phone and you could also type. I was so anxious to start therapy. That's why I started with BetterHelp. I think now that I've gone through therapy enough, I personally think I'm at a place where I need in-person therapy. And it's almost like virtual doesn't work as well for me anymore, if that makes sense. Like I need something more hands-on, more in-person. But I think BetterHelp or just like online therapy in general is a really good way to like dip your toe in and to start. And if it's also for like smaller, not I don't want to say so 
someone's issues are smaller but like right now I'm in trauma therapy which is different than like you know talk therapy or generalized therapy Um, but more for like when I was struggling with anxiety or fighting with my mom those are the type of things that really worked for the virtual stuff because some weeks I just wanted to type about it I didn't want to talk to someone but now when I'm talking with bigger deeper issues um of things I've gone through with my trauma therapist like they need to be able to monitor like my mood and like the way my face changes when I'm talking about things and stuff like that to make sure because I am also on medication to make sure that you know everything is going well so those those, that's my experience when people are always asking me what I think about it I think any online therapy is a great start and you don't also doesn't have to be through BetterHelp. that's just the one that I personally had used if you go through ZocDoc as well you can just look up therapists and you can filter by whether you want in person or virtual or a hybrid um the therapist that I did not like that I had to uh the guy that was texting me um he uh he was like hybrid of virtual and in person. It was always he would cancel the in-person ones, which was so weird. Okay, but that I hope that answers your question. Uh, I'm not trying to push BetterHelp again. I'm not I'm not being paid by them or anything anymore. And I don't get like a, I was paid once, like I said, but I'm not getting like affiliates or commission or anything. It's just that's the specific one that I know. And I see sometimes gets a bad rep. And sometimes when that happens, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want people to think that I was lying about my experience just because other people have had a bad experience. And then I I just like to always make that LinkedIn reference so people understand it's not necessarily a platform. It's just some therapist anywhere can suck. Okay. But next question is, I have been struggling with leaving my house and maintaining my personal hygiene. Do you have any tips? This is tough because it you almost have to think about what else is going on and ask, figure out what is going on that's deeper with that. Because for me, when I start to not take care of my own hygiene, I've definitely gone through that. Or not leaving the house, very being very socially isolated. I was struggling with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. I was trying to figure out like, why can't I do these simple tasks? And then what I learned actually through my therapist, this is when I was on BetterHelp, is the thing I had to figure out is what is this coming from? It's usually like it's manifested from something else, not like manifesting like law of attraction manifest, but like it stems from something else. Like my I cut off my mom and I didn't talk to her. And then after like two or three months after that happened, I couldn't get out of bed. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was just laying there all day and I didn't realize it was a manifestation of my depression about my mom. And until I worked through that and like how I let myself feel it and like grieve almost grieve it you know I wasn't going to be able to work through the physical aspects of it so for me the the social isolation was I was super anxious uh, about I had a lot of social anxiety so I had to get to the root cause of my social anxiety so that I could figure out like how to work through that and then it made it easier for me to leave the house now if it is the opposite where you are more so just you feel like okay there's not a root cause I'm just not doing it maybe you're like anxious to do it Um, exposure therapy is also very important I used to struggle with being afraid to drive and I was just told you know exposure therapy which is really just kind of forcing yourself to do it and showing yourself it's not that bad and the way I did that is I had a really good support system I'm very grateful to have Noah in my life he has always been my rock Um, I think that's the truth is he has helped my mental health a lot because he's been so supportive and I think that really goes to show that sorry if you can hear the sirens if there are people in your life that don't support you for this and aren't there to help you 
you need to have a better support system like focus be around the people that care and that want to help you and don't be afraid to reach out to people you know if you're like struggling with this reach out to someone and be like hey I'm struggling I need help someone that you trust and that you know will be there and that you know that can support you and tell them like hey I'm struggling to do you know to leave the house I'm getting a little afraid and have them help you because exposure therapy is something that can be done with a partner someone can help you just get up and go sit on the porch for a little bit and then go, you know, walk around your neighborhood. And the next day you go uh, walk around the neighborhood again, a little longer. And then the next day you walk your dog. And then the next day, well, if you have a dog, you should hopefully still be walking them every day. Um, but you know what I'm saying? You just start to do more and more things and it, you work your way up to the things that you're more scared of, like going to the movies or going to hang out with friends, anything like that. I know that after COVID, a lot of people said they kind of felt anxious to leave the house and I did as well. And I think just take it in baby steps. I think sometimes we want to do that all or nothing mentality where we just want to jump into it. It's okay to take it slow and to take your time. And also if it is something that has more of a root cause, try some journaling, try some meditation, try some anything, just get really quiet with yourself self and calm and try and figure out what is it that I'm really feeling? Like, what is this coming from? And always, if it's something that you feel like you need professional help with, never be afraid to reach out to someone. Like like I said, it's very easy just to go on ZogDoc, type in, you know, therapist, and then book a call. And you can literally, I had a friend who, who was struggling with something, and I told her about this. And she booked, was struggling with some things, and she booked a call with a psychiatrist for the next day. So that's a good thing about ZocDoc. And the virtual stuff is that you can do something pretty quickly if you're able to, you know, if that's something you're looking for. Okay, next one. This is has part one, two, and three. So part one. Oh, maybe this all goes together. It says, I am struggling with guilt and shame from cutting my mom out of my life last year. I know it was the right thing to do for my mental health, but I can't help but feel bad, especially around birthdays, Mother's Day. Have you had, do you have any tips and advice? Well, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I actually did cut my mom out of my life for two years and it was really tough. I cut my mom out of my life for two years um, and it was hard. It was really tough, but I knew it was the right thing to do. My mom struggled heavily with addiction and could be quite abusive when she was like, you know, when she was coming down off of things and, you know, different, just like different times. She struggled with a lot of anger, a lot of mental health issues herself. And it all came to a head when she was, I flew her and my brothers out to visit my home when we were living in California. And my mom became very violent and was like, it was just the worst it had ever been. And so I did end up Uh, cutting her out of my life for two years and I told her like we can talk when you when you don't talk treat me this way and I told her I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize because I haven't done anything I spent my whole life trying to apologize just to keep her happy I told her like when you're ready to treat me with kindness and respect we can talk when you're ready to not cuss at me and tell me you hate me we can talk um and it took about two years actually for my mom to ever reach out but eventually um actually we ended up writing letters back and forth to each other and i am so grateful that we did have that time apart because i think it really showed my mom my boundary that I meant it when I said she couldn't treat me poorly. And if you didn't know, my mom did pass away. Um, but some people have asked me like, okay, do, how do you not regret cutting her out of your life knowing she passed? If I hadn't cut my mom out of my life when she passed, we still would have been on really bad terms. And she would have died with me feeling so much anger towards her still. Um, and like bitterness. And I would have always thought that she, because my mom would tell me things like she hated me and that she regretted having me like, 
consistently, like almost weekly, um, for my entire childhood when she was on drugs and stuff and would tell me that I was a reason she was on drugs. And that's a really hard thing for a kid to hear. Um, she would blame me for everything. When we lost our house because she couldn't afford to pay the bills when I was like 13, she told me it was my fault. When child services took my brother away um, for neglect and other things, she told me it was my fault because I went to school and I had a bruise on me and, and a teacher saw. And that's not okay. Like it's not, it, that wasn't okay to blame me for those things. And that put a lot of guilt and shame on me for a long time. And I think that's part of the reason my mom used is because she felt guilty deep down knowing she doesn't actually hate her kids she it was a projection we project our thoughts the things she was saying to me were her own thoughts about herself that's usually how it goes is what I learned in therapy and my mom was lashing out at me I learned in therapy as well actually that the age that people start doing like really hard drugs um not like small drugs but like hard heavy drugs um is usually when their brain sort of stops it's like usually the age that you will stay at when it comes to like emotional intelligence. Now, I don't know if this is like science back. This is just what my therapist taught me. So considering my mom started doing drugs probably in her early 20s, uh, possibly late teens, because my mom had me at 18 uh, or 19, uh, around 18 or 19. I'm actually, I guess she was pregnant at 18, but she had pregnant at 18, but she had me at 19. But um, my mom was probably like in at least her early 20s when she started doing drugs from when I remember that that makes sense that that could have been when her emotional intelligence stopped. If that is true. Again, I don't know if that's true. Um, I'm sure that's something that can be reversed when someone gets help and stuff as, as well. Um, and again, this is, I'm not talking about like weed and stuff like that for someone who's listening. I'm talking about like meth, heroin, things like those kind of drugs is what my mom was doing. Um, I really hate sharing this stuff, but I don't, I, I like to, I think it's important to talk about, but I, it's just very vulnerable, you know, and I, I don't know. I am very protective of my mom now, I guess. And that's the whole point. It, now I had so much anger and almost hatred towards my mom. And after I cut her out of my life for two years, I was able to take a break and see her for who she really was, which was a really hurt child in an adult body, someone who had also gone through severe trauma, I was able to look into my mom's past and realize, oh, her her trauma was just as bad as mine. Now, was it okay for her to, you know, pass that generational trauma down? No, but she didn't know any different. She didn't know any better. That's, uh, I don't know. I was able to look at it f- through a different lens and see how much she was hurting and that she wouldn't have been doing those drugs consistently and pushing her children away if she didn't, I don't want to say hate herself, but almost hate herself. And it made me go from kind of hating her to almost just like feeling bad for her. Now that does not excuse the behavior. That doesn't excuse that. I'm not saying that, but I was just able to heal a bit where I started to realize what she was saying wasn't my, it wasn't my fault. It was, it was her problem. Does that make sense? And I think that's what I was able to understand is that it wasn't my burden to carry of thinking it was actually my fault that those things happened and without those two years apart I would have honestly for the rest of my life blamed myself for my mom's addiction and my mom's passing but after cutting her out for two years we did start writing letters and communicating and we developed a really great relationship I have the card that my mom wrote me for my birthday before she actually passed um just like a month before my 20 eighth birthday which was two years ago and she had written me a birthday card because she was gonna finally come visit for the first time ever which is the weirdest thing is she passed away a day before she was supposed to come visit for the first time but um she did she had written me a birthday card and in the birthday card she apologized for everything and said that she knows that you know she hadn't been the greatest mother and that she regretted so much of what she had put me and my brothers through and all she ever wanted was 
to be a good mother and she was so ashamed of herself and she apologized for everything she took ownership she didn't blame me for anything she said she was sorry and that she loved me and she was proud of me and that is something I wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't set that boundary with her now it taking two years was really hard and I wish it hadn't taken two years obviously but that was my journey so if you're someone who's struggling with this sorry I went on a tangent of my own life trauma a little overshare um maybe whenever you're you said you're feeling guilt and shame don't feel guilt and shame for taking care of yourself um and also don't feel bad at any time if you decide you want to have communication something I learned in therapy as well is that you can open and close the door whenever you want that's how it can it's you know if someone if you feel like it's been enough time and you want to reach out you can write a letter and say here here are my boundaries here is how you can treat me and if you abide by that we can have a relationship if not we cannot you are welcome to do those kind of things you don't have to make it an all or nothing if you want to you absolutely can that is your right you are allowed to you know take care of yourself I think that's one of those things that I always try to preach is if you don't understand like for anyone who's listening who doesn't struggle with like a relationship with their family of like having to the point of having to cut them off if you don't understand something and you don't relate it doesn't mean you shouldn't empathize I see so many videos on TikTok of people shaming people for cutting off their parents and I'm like just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it isn't real for someone else if you can't understand how much pain it takes to cut off a parent then that's because you can't understand how much pain it takes because you haven't had to go through that much pain yet and I I hope I want that for people I want people to have incredible relationships with their family but it's just a reminder that you never know what someone has gone through and when I first cut my mom off the, the amount of like horrific DMs I got from people like shaming me and saying that I was horrible and I should be ashamed of myself that that was part of my depression like you never know what someone is going through and this was before I had opened up to people about the fact that I was raped when I was younger and my mom had known about it like there was a whole thing about this like she didn't know until after that that sounded really strange but I had lost my virginity to rape like I my mom let me do whatever I wanted and she hurt she physically hurt me all the time I went to my first day of senior year crying because she had hit me in the stomach right before I got out of the car like there is a lot that happened and it was so sad for people to say that how like disgusting I was for cutting off my mom when they were like clearly didn't understand what it took for me to get there so no matter what you decide to do please give yourself grace and be kind to yourself and know that do what you need to do for your mental health. If your parent isn't protecting you like a parent is supposed to, you are allowed to protect you. You are allowed to protect yourself. Okay, that was so, so much. I gotta speed this up. I'm so sorry. But you're saying you struggle also around Mother's Day, birthdays. Um, If you want to write a card or a letter, you can. If it's easier not to open that back up, you know, that's okay. That's where I started back is I wanted to message my mom for her birthday. So I did write her a card. Um, But again, it do what feels right to you and I am really sorry for anyone who's going through something like that Uh, next question is how do you pick yourself up after going through a major depressive episode um I so for me a major depressive episode I I have diagnosed PTSD which he said did like involve things like depression and anxiety but I don't know if it's considered like major depressive episode so I don't want to speak on something that I I don't know for sure, but I will say whenever I've gone through like my type of depression that comes from PTSD, um, I just take it really easy. I try to start slow. I like to have myself little reset days afterwards. Like when I start to feel better, I 
will do little things that I know are gonna just make me feel a bit more safe and protected and loved you know taking a good shower talking with a friend or a loved one you know to kind of break the ice of if you've been in like a bit of isolation Um, watching some comfort shows reading a comfort book listening to a happy podcast that makes you laugh going on a walk it doesn't have to be like you jump right back into you know something crazy just take your time and do little things that just make you feel cared for definitely take care of yourself after don't feel like you have to be the most productive human be kind to yourself do something that makes you feel loved you know by yourself so you remind yourself like you've got you next question is how to start seeking validation from yourself and not outside sources i think one of them is you have to stop asking people for advice or for their questions. You have to stop asking people for their opinions, not advice. Um, or honestly, if you're really struggling with validation, maybe don't ask people for anything. Unless you're like, this is, this is such a different topic because it's kind of different from mental health, about uh, needing validation, but I'll still talk on it. This is not saying if you're struggling with mental health, not to seek advice. Seek advice if you need advice. This is for someone who you're strictly like, okay, I, you know, I'm struggling because I just need everyone to like me work on not asking them for their opinion and not 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 like in a way that is positive or negative like if you know someone is only going to give you positive feedback still don't ask for it for a while because the the same way that positive reinforcement makes you feel is it it counteracts with that negative reinforcement meaning if you're constantly wanting positive reinforcement the negative reinforcement's going to hurt even more where instead it's like don't ask people for their opinions or their advice on like your life or how you're dressed or anything for a while and strictly get dressed for how you want to feel strict like match the way you want to feel with your everyday activities like when you go to a workout how do you want to feel when you're doing your job how do you want to feel don't ask someone else if they approve don't ask someone if they like your shoes don't ask people anything like let yourself make those decisions And if you have to spend, one thing I really recommend is spending a lot of time with yourself. Take yourself on dates and do the things that you would like to do with other people and do it by yourself and become comfortable and confident in your decisions. Become confident in the way you walk, in the way that you talk to uh, servers, in the way that you, you know, stand in line, in the way that you give your order. I just said that. In the way that you get dressed because usually when we are seeking validation is because we are not comfortable with our own decisions yet. So we're wanting someone else to tell us like it's right but once you stay like stay by yourself a little bit do more things on your own develop some independence it's easier to be confident in your own choices and therefore you won't need people as much to validate you so really work on giving yourself that validation taking yourself on dates don't ask for people's opinion even if you know it's going to be positive until you get to a place where you feel like whether they gave you positive or negative opinion a feedback it's not going to affect you um Next question is, can mental health conditions be fully cured or only managed? I'm going to be honest. This is not something I am, I'm not like, I'm not like a psychiatrist or anything. So I don't know the answer. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't, I I think there's probably both. I'm sure there are people. I think that, I think there is both. I'm sure there are people with um, types of depression that are, that don't go away they can they cannot be you know they can only be managed but i'm sure there are types of like maybe like seasonal depression or something that can be cured um just like ptsd like i have complex ptsd some people can be cured of it um some people cannot it kind of depends on the type or what you've been through and i think it depends on the person um so 
I would say for each individual person, this is something probably to talk to a professional about your own psychiatrist, your own therapist and see what they think. But I think either way, it's so important to take care of your mental health no matter what. And if if you have something that they say can't be f- fully cured, don't let that discourage you from taking care of yourself. Okay, like still put yourself first because it's, it's important. Okay, you deserve to live a beautiful life. Um, next one is Wait, someone's just said depression and anxiety. Thank you for sharing. I don't see the beginning of the question. I'm going to, I'm just going to hope that you're asking, not hope, but like that you're asking for tips on depression and anxiety. Um, and I'm just going to give those. So I'd say my biggest tips for, um, for my depression and anxiety, honestly, is my medication. I'm not ashamed to be on mental health medication. It really changed my life. Um, there are so many things that I wasn't able to do and, being on medication, honestly, it really has changed my life. I think I'll probably be on it for a few more years um, until I feel really comfortable getting off of it. Uh, for PTSD, you're typically not supposed to be on You know, typically not not supposed you can, but I don't think you're necessarily have to be on it forever. You're supposed to be on it while you work through like whatever the trauma was. Um, and I'm really comfortable with where I'm at right now. I am doing things that I've never been able to do. And I really am so grateful for the medication. Like there was a time when I started telling Noah, I was like, I don't even think I need it anymore. And I told my psychiatrist this too. And she's like, that's how you know it's working, honey. She's like, when you are starting to live your life the way you never were able to, and you start thinking, oh, I don't even need medication. It's because the medication is working. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it really has changed my life. Like I'm, I'm really proud of myself for not being ashamed of that because I think I wish I had known sooner. You know, I wish I had, I honestly wish I had been on my, had tried medication sooner. I'm not obviously here to tell anyone that like they need to be on medication. It's a very personal choice. But if you're someone who has a diagnosed mental illness and you're listening to this and you've been like told by a therapist or a psychiatrist that you could benefit from it. And like the thing that's holding you back is shame from other people, guilt from other people, you know, opinions and judgment. Please remind yourself that the person who has to deal with the consequences of how you feel is you. They don't have to deal with how it feels on the inside of your body. They don't have to deal with how it feels to live inside your head. Someone else that may not understand where you're at and what you've gone through and how it feels to be you doesn't have the right to tell you what's right for you. We live in a society where so many people think that because something is right or wrong for them, that it must be right or wrong for someone else. And because they can't understand something that that means it it's not justified for someone else and that is like my biggest pet peeve i wish we could learn to like communicate more and not get mad at people for having different views online like whenever i talk about medication and then the people find out i also talk about like law of attraction or wellness i will get dms like how dare you promote like these toxic chemicals when you also promote like wellness and hot girl walks i'm like because i wasn't able to take walks without my medication it's okay that they don't understand it and that they haven't been to a place where they would need it and that they were i'm that's amazing that someone was able to get through these things without medication but it also doesn't make me any less of a person because I need medication. Like there is an imbalance in my brain. I, my brain lock, lacks a lot of serotonin and dopamine. And without those, it is really hard to have motivation to get up and do things. And because of my medication, I now can do the things. This is what people don't realize is 
it's not a band-aid approach a lot of people think it's like a, a band-aid or a happy pill it's not a band-aid because what happens is the medication that i'm on specifically it increases my serotonin and it gives me just enough serotonin i'm on the lowest dose um no shame in any dose you're on obviously i'm on the lowest dose where it just gives me enough serotonin that my body was lacking so i can i have the motivation to get up and do the things that help my body continue to increase my serotonin and dopamine naturally it's just a little bit of help for the chemical that i'm lacking just like people with allergies who don't have enough antihistamines or histamines in their body would take an allergy pill to help add that along it's not a band-aid approach like it's it's just something to help you along with the allergies that you're struggling with it's not completely controlling your life it's just making giving me enough motivation where i have the willpower to say you know what I can get up and live my life, but then it's me that goes to the workout because I still have to push. It doesn't just make everything, you know, change. It doesn't change the old negative beliefs I had in my head about being awkward and anxious and no one wanted to be my friend. It doesn't take away the PTSD. It just gives me a little bit of serotonin that I didn't have before. And it takes away that super cloud-like feeling that nothing could ever work out and that everything was so glum and took it just takes that away and kind of made it an even an even playing field for me so that I I could then choose to do things that made me feel good or choose to do things that don't make me feel good like I still have that choice and I still plenty of days don't get up and go to do a workout or don't get up and do what's best for me because I'm a learning human just like everyone else Um, and that's how the medication has worked for me and it's also, I just think that's a really important conversation to have is like, it's not a happy pill. It doesn't make me happy. It just simply takes the dark cloud away and it takes away the constant fear that comes from PTSD that someone is going to hurt me. Like I was always afraid, full transparency, trigger warning. I was always afraid anytime a man was behind me that I was going to be raped again. I would have constant nightmares. I don't want to cry. Constant nightmares and night terrors of being raped. I would have night terrors of my mom hitting me or being locked in my room as a child and not being allowed out. I had constant fear of when my grandparents tried to take me away from my mom and the police coming. Like I, it was hard to live because I was always afraid these things were going to happen to me again in some kind of capacity. I couldn't get past that. And all it did was just take that away, just that part away. And then I get to get up and make choices to better my life and while I'm doing that I'm also in trauma therapy so that I can process that trauma so that I'm currently making better habits I didn't have before and I'm processing my trauma so that in a few years when I'm ready to get off the medication I will have already processed that trauma it will no longer be something that will trigger me so easily into like that PTSD fight or flight. And instead, I will be able to work. I have already, will have already worked through my trauma and I will have built all of these incredible habits while I was on the medication that I will continue to do once I'm off the medication to continue getting that serotonin and dopamine. Does that hopefully that makes sense? But that's how it is for me. Um, no shame anyway. Do what makes you happy. OK, do what works for you. And make sure to talk about, you know, talk to a professional with whatever you're deciding. Next is how did you communicate your mental illness slash needs to your partner to make things work? Honestly, I just have been honest. I think honest communication is the best way. I didn't plan how to talk about it. I didn't, I didn't like filter what was going on. I just sat down and said, hey, Noah, this is who I, you know, it wasn't like a one-time conversation. I've just always 
made sure to be really honest with him about how I'm feeling from the very beginning. Like when we started to get serious, I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know that I struggle with this or that. Like I've been through this or that. Like just just so you know, like if this is something like you can or can't handle that I might go through certain things or I might need to go to therapy. And um, I've just always been really honest with him about how I'm feeling. And I've also made sure to communicate how sometimes when I was in the earlier stages of our relationship, how when I would lash out if I was angry I would kind of I would communicate with him when I was in a normal state like hey sometimes if I lash out I don't mean to this is just always how when I was raised this is the kind of fights I watched um I'm working through it like I'm so sorry if you could just you know help calm me I would tell him like help calm me down in those situations and like remind me that like you're not going to hurt me and I don't have to be scared remind me that I'm in a safe space um and Noah has I think the honesty is something he really appreciated and again Noah has not he will openly say he's never been through any of those type of things he came from a really really healthy home a really amazing family a great childhood um and that's a reminder that just because someone hasn't gone through something they can be they can empathize with someone I think that is a great skill is to make sure that the people you're around even if they haven't been through what you've gone through they can empathize with you and they can be understanding and not like okay I don't care you know because there's plenty of people that just don't get it and instead of trying to understand they just don't care which is sad so obviously stay around the right kind of support system like if the person that you're communicating your needs with and how you're feeling and what you've gone through doesn't care they're dismissive they just you know they don't they're not understanding or kind or supportive I would say be around better people okay and obviously we don't expect other people to fix us you can't expect someone to like take a bunch of punches from you or something that's not you know I'm not saying that either but someone who was understanding and patient where when I would start to get really stressed or overwhelmed Noah would be like hey hey when we'd be like at a bar or something he's like do you want to go outside and just sit down and be you know get away from the because I'd get really overstimulated I talked about this in the Taylor Swift episode we would go sit outside until I calmed down again if I was in a bar and I started to get really overwhelmed I just wanted to go home I wasn't unco- I didn't, wasn't afraid of judgment to be like hey I really need to go home and he realized what was more important and he would help me get home um there have been times when I had panic attacks where Noah would just hold me and tell me over and over my therapist told him to do this and be like you're safe you are loved and you are safe um I had a night terror once that involved trigger warning again the rape thing and Noah woke me up in the middle of the night and he just held me and let me cry until I was comfortable going back to sleep he you know we turned cartoon on cartoons on and like he is literally an incredible human I love my husband so much (laughs) just and it's it's hard because I also understand having family or friends that don't get it I have had a lot of people in my life that simply don't understand and it was too much for them and I don't I don't blame them I'm not mad at them I just know that if I'm too much for them I understand that's fine but I need someone who I'm not too much for and there are people out there that you're not too much for and that are okay with going you know that that are understanding but So I think you just have to be really open um, with your partner, I guess. And I have another question that says, how has your mental health and or therapy affected your relationship? Kind of going off the same thing. It did affect it in the beginning. You know, it was a learning curve. And that's the thing is the person just needs to be very patient and, you know, just know that it is a a learning curve where it might be tough for them at first to figure out. It's going to be a lot of communication. Noah's listened to podcasts on PTSD when I got my diagnosis and like um, we took our... I did an episode of, I think I did it on here. Actually, that might have been in my 
my tapping membership. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do an episode on here about attachment styles. We both learned our attachment styles. Noah, of course, has a secure attachment style because he came from a happy home and I have an anxious attachment style. So he learned how to deal with my attachment style. Like it just takes time. Um, so of course it affected it in the beginning. It was a lot more of a learning curve, but over time it's just become our version of normal. And I'm obviously in a much healthier place now. And I think having that support system is why I'm in a, a healthier place place. I haven't had a night terror in, I don't know, six months, maybe a year. Since I've been on medication, I haven't had a single night terror. But before then, like I was, I used to have them like a couple times a week. And then when I started going to therapy and stuff, I, maybe they got down to once a week, maybe once every other week. I haven't had a panic attack in, well, I did have like a little bit of a breakdown because my mom, but since then, I basically what I'm saying, I'm in a much better place and those things are normal. It's a normal thing to have a breakdown over your mom passing. I'm not sh- shaming myself for that. Um, I'm just saying like I'm in a much better place and Noah is always telling me how proud he is and he tells me that he is so, pr- he literally texts me all the time. I have them on my phone. I almost want to bring them up and he'll be like, hey, I just want to tell you how proud I am of your growth lately. Like when I, when he sees me that I took the train by myself to a workout class, he'll text me like, I'm so proud of you. Um, you're becoming such a strong, he's like, you're such a strong, independent woman. I love watching you grow. Like that's the importance of having someone that is patient because of course it was harder in the beginning, but now he's here for the good times and I am a great wife. Okay. I'm not here to act like he's, he is a great husband, but I'm also a good wife. You know, I make sure that I'm still a good wife through all of this and that's a big part of it let me also say is that it's not up to my partner to fix me I've got to be doing the work and I think that's a big part of making sure that the person that you're with understands that you are taking steps to better yourself and to work through this because you can't just I understand mental health is tough but there are a lot of people that do really hurtful things because of their mental health instead of breaking the cycle but obviously I know you are probably someone who is breaking that cycle and working hard to better yourself and not let this you know be something that you know that doesn't hurt someone else so just make sure that they know that and if it's something where you struggle with some maybe like anxiety or depression just you know open communication ask them for help um ask them for patience you know ask for them to be your accountability buddy little things like that um and be kind to yourself okay Next is the best thing you learned in therapy. Oh my gosh, this is such a good one. So this is more of a simple one, but I made a TikTok. Let me actually pull it up because it's gonna, hopefully this isn't loud. Turn the volume down. And it's actually gone viral every single time I have posted this video on TikTok. It goes viral because it is so good. And it's a, it's funny because so many people have stole, stolen my words from this and will put it on their videos. And I'm like, bro, your therapist did not tell you the exact verbatim that mine did. Mine, they'll be, it'll be the exact word for word. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but anyways, um, this is what I put on the TikTok and it's something that I wrote in my journal after it happened in my therapy. Um, I once told my therapist I was depressed because I didn't know who I was. She said, or maybe that's exactly who you are. A person trying new things, exploring, creating a life, seeing what feels good. And that sounds beautiful to me. And that perspective saved my life. We all go through periods, whether you have mental illness illness or you just struggle with mental health and wellness, we all have mental health, is a lot of us go through times in our life where we feel really lost and we don't know who we are, especially in our 20s and we're like that growing, those growing phases. And I realized like that is who I was, was someone who was figuring out who I was and perspective is everything in your life. I had such a warped perspective and I think a lot of us do from social media specifically and media seeing how other people are living and what they're doing and what they have and we start to think we have to have it all figured out but really it is so beautiful 
to figure out who you are, to try new things, to create a life, to explore. Once we have it all figured out and all taken care of, life is going to be kind of boring, okay? It's fun to, like, once you change it from the perspective of, I don't know who I am, to, no, I'm figuring out who I am and what I like. I get to explore and try all new things. Trying something new and finding out, you think about the first time you had your favorite flavor of ice cream. I'm sure that was such an incredible moment. You get to keep doing that. On the path in this journey of finding yourself, you get to experience so many new things, like new flavors, new movies, new people, anything. Um, So try and see it in that perspective because it really, really helped me. Uh, Next question is, hey, I have been diagnosed with ADHD and has started affecting my daily life. Any advice? So along with my PTSD, I was also diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I do not take medication for that anymore, but I did before. It didn't work for me because it, because of my PTSD. Like I said, I have, so PTSD gives you like symptoms of depression and anxiety, but the actual diagnosis is still PTSD for me. Meaning like if my PTSD, I'm pretty sure what that means is if my PTSD is eventually healed, quote unquote, if that's a thing, that the depression and anxiety would go away with it. So that's why I try not to say I have depression because it's like I technically have PTSD, but I was also diagnosed with ADHD before and I did try medication for it and it made me it helped a little bit, but it also made me really on, on edge. So it was, it did not work for me. I know it's worked for a lot of people and that's awesome. That's the whole thing about medication is some things work for some people and that one did not work for me, which is fine. I have friends who it's like changed their life and that is a beautiful thing. But for me, I've just been really big on working with what works for me. I have to, when I, when I, okay, basically I'm someone, I, I start to notice what are things that really trigger my ADHD? Meaning if I wake up and scroll, I notice I have zero focus for the day. I think that's a lot of people. So I do not let myself look at my phone for at least the first 30 minutes to an hour of every single day. I'm like, I do not need to be texting people. I can term, I use like the, um, the focus mode. I put my phone on focus mode or do not disturb all the time when I need to pay attention. Um, I'm really big with to-do lists. I don't like to overwhelm myself with my to-do list either though. Because I think when you overwhelm yourself, that's another thing where you can get sidetracked. I will write down like a few things that I need to do. Um, and I love when I cross something out, that dopamine hit really helps me. Um, working out and getting activity level in really increases my dopamine levels naturally, which has been really helpful for me as well. Also, I know this might be controversial because some people say this is a bad thing. But for me, multitasking because my brain is very sporadic and wants to be doing multiple things. So for me, having a podcast while I am studying for something or having like a TV show play while I'm editing a podcast or that's kind of counterintuitive because it's two audios. But you know what I'm saying? If I'm checking emails, I might have a podcast play. If I'm going for a walk, things like that, that really, really helps me. I know some people say it's easier for them to focus on one singular task. For my brain, I like to have like two things going on and I have to give myself like little treats when some, and it kind of helps me with that reward system where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like taking a shower at this moment but I, I know I have to so oh yeah I'm like oh yeah I get to listen to my favorite podcast while I do it and that I'm like oh yeah let's do it or oh I don't really feel like you know doing this work but I have to do it or going to the gym but oh I'm gonna read my book while I walk on the treadmill um, little things like that and um, I think there's a lot of systems that a lot of people put into place I, I've heard that um, wearing your shoes is really helpful around your house I live in New York so I track in too much dirt if I wore my shoes around the house so I don't do that but I do um, I so I walk on my at-home treadmill a lot and I do leave that's what the noise you might be hearing down there below is my shoes squeaking I do keep my tennis shoes on um when I 
am walking on the, like I, obviously when I'm walking on the treadmill but I keep my when I take them off I leave them on my treadmill so that every time I want to walk on the treadmill I'm like oh I see my shoes right there I don't have to walk and like grab all my stuff I can just start walking so that has helped me let's see next is I have two sisters who have eating disorders and are hurting themselves. What can I do to be there for them? If, and if you have some advice on how I can help them. I have um, never actually experienced like, any sort of eating disorder. I've obviously struggled with body issues, but I know that is vastly different. Um, I wish I had more follow-up questions. Like, are they working with someone? You said these are your sisters. Do your parents know? I don't know the age of this person. So I'm like, I would maybe... Hmm, this is tough because it's like one thing is you definitely just want to be a big support system you always 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 want to make sure being a big support system try not to talk to them from a place of judgment or making them feel guilty talk to them from a place of love like you know because I I care about you and I support you and I want to be there for you and, and I'm here for you um things like that I would make sure if you if they are depending on the ages or honestly in general I would you know if your parents aren't involved maybe make sure that your parents are aware um if they are going through any sort of therapy or treatment just be really supportive and make sure that you know there's no judgment involved it's just love and care and wanting them to get better um and obviously if they're like you said if they're if someone is hurting themselves I know some people say like you shouldn't get involved I I disagree. Like if someone you know is is hurting themselves, um, obviously I'm not going to ever comment on a stranger's body, but I think if it's your sister and you know they're like actively hurting themselves um, and no one knows, for example, I would maybe reach out to like, you know, a parent um, or someone that you trust to, you know, start figuring out like what is the best plan of action for you specifically, because obviously I don't know your specific situation. Feel free to DM me on Instagram if you want to talk a little more. But again, I, I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but I would say like, you know, uh, talk to someone that you are close with, like your family or something, um, if, you know, and see what you guys can do and just be there for them in your best way possible. Uh, I'm sorry, this is very vague. I just, the last thing I want is because I don't know the full situation is to give wrong advice. Like maybe you guys are already going through therapy or something, or maybe like there are, you know, your parents are already aware, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, feel free to message me if you want to talk a little bit more. And if you need like resources or something, um, I could always like, if you want to reach out to me, I could send you some resources for like hotlines or like, you know, nonprofits and like specific like eating disorder treatments or therapies. I could, I would always be open to helping you find resources if you would like to message me. And because we are at 52 minutes and I try to keep my podcast like 30 minutes, but we're going to do uh, one more, which is how has your self-care changed for you over the years? How has my pot, my podcast, how has my self-care changed me over the years? I think I come from a place of just doing it out of love for myself where before I thought self-care had to be what everyone else was doing. Like I thought green juices and waking up at 5 a.m. meant self-care because that's what I saw online and there's nothing wrong with those if that's what makes you happy but I learned self-care is what makes you feel fueled and energized and happy it shouldn't be something that makes you feel miserable and for me waking up at 5 a.m. absolutely not like I need my sleep I actually for me self-care is getting an adequate eight hours of sleep even if that means going to bed early and missing out on something every now and then or not having to tell for me self-care might be like okay Lindsay turn the tv off you need eight, eight hours of sleep and you have work in the morning or something um and it's not waking up at 5 a.m for me self-care is not pushing myself to work out you know way too much over my you know my limit I used to work out way too hard for me self-care is now working out in a way that makes me feel good and makes me feel proud of myself and my strength but not 
you know, not for the wrong reasons. For me, self-care is letting myself have days where I just watch TV and not guilting myself and shaming myself for it like I used to. It's not thinking like I'm only allowed to read self-help books. Like what kind of life is that? Uh, No offense (laughs) if you like self-help books. I still like self-help books, but you can also, you can watch TV or, you know, like listen to podcasts that are funny or watch Netflix. Like we should be allowed to just enjoy our lives too. That is self-care. Getting back to that inner child version of yourself that was allowed to just have fun. That is also self-care. Reading fiction books, eating ice cream sometimes when you need to have some balance. That is all can be considered self-care. The point of self-care is that it makes you feel proud of yourself and fueled. You know, for me, it's a lot of balance where sometimes self-care is going to the gym or going on a walk. Sometimes self-care is sleeping in or, you know, watching reality TV. It can be whatever it means to you. But the biggest part is that self-care, proper self-care comes from habits and routines and actions and mindsets that work for you, that you can stick with, that make you feel good, not that makes sense for everyone else because you are the person that lives inside of your body and knows what feels right and knows what you need to be doing. Sometimes we are unaware of what we need to be doing because our intuition is so used to watching everyone else, but get you know, stop looking at everyone else and like comparing yourself and over time that that intuition will come back, I promise. And just take care of yourself and no matter what, don't shame yourself. That is the opposite of self-care. If you decide to skip a workout, don't be like, oh my gosh, I suck. I'm not working out. I'm lazy. No, 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 no. Turn it into self-care and say, you know what? I listened to my body today and I'm taking a rest day, a well-deserved, well-needed rest day. And then your rest became self-care. And then your workouts can also be self-care. Instead of being like, oh, I have to work out to, you know, people will say things like, oh, I have to work off, work off these calories. No, no, no. Don't shame yourself. It's like, oh, I ate a delicious meal that was so fun and brought me memories of hanging out with friends and going to a restaurant and enjoying my favorite foods. And I'm also going to go work out because I love my body and I want to move and be able to move when I'm 80. And, you know, I want to be able to walk up steps without being in pain and I just want to take care of the house that I live in which is my body that made all of that self-care so I think a big part of self-care is leading with love instead of leading with shame or guilt so I hope that answered your question I love that we talked for so long wow I love you guys so much okay thank you so much for all these I do want to remind you I am not a professional I am someone that just rambles and talks okay on the internet if something I said is not right for you. It sounded off. Do not listen to it. Okay. The, the things, the advice, again, like I said about, you know, not needing validation, the advice that I give comes from my own personal experiences. So if you've gone through a different experience and this advice does not seem right to you, you don't have to take it. I will not be ashamed. Okay. Uh, or not be ashamed. I will not be upset or anything like you do what is best for you. If something I said is like, oh, that's not right for me. Don't do it. You know, you got to take care of yourself. Um, and as always, like if, if you need to talk to a professional and you want professional advice, I am not a professional. These are just opinions. Um, you can find, you know, therapists anywhere from ZocDoc to anywhere online and in person. Um, I can put some resources if you'd like. Oh yeah, I will. I'll put some resources in the show notes, um, for you guys as well to like more professional advice and stuff. And just a reminder for Mental Health Awareness Month and every day to be kind to yourself, to take care of your mental health, to you know, love yourself and love people around you and be patient with yourself and be patient with others. We never know what anyone is going through and to lead with love and uh, I love ya. <laughs> okay, I will talk to you guys um, next week. Bye!